0: look at my butt show number 234 of look at his butt lt and jk talk track finally hey listeners
1: tell them (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, here we are, and we're talking, and as you can all hear, um, I'm still not 100% well, and I have been continuously sick since I got back from our
1: fabulous time in Chicago. Well, I think being away from me and being away from Chicago <laughs> did it.
0: I think so, too. Uh, it was, it <laughs> was <Jack>. too, too <laughs> much of a good time, and I suffered for it. So, yeah, I've just been really sick since then, and hence the lack of podcasts and um, some posting and all those things. Um, so I'm here, and we're doing a podcast today because we have to. Um, and we have a really fun lineup
1: of we topics, do. we think.
0: So. We have a, a lot of fun stuff. So anyway, that's just by way of apology, and also to excuse the way I sound, because <laughs> I know it sounds terrible.
1: <laughs> we forgive you. No, oh, thank
0: you. So yeah, so it was my birthday a couple weeks ago, yes. and um, it was, uh, I, I um, spent... At the end of Shatmoy. It was at the end of Shatmoy, and I basically spent that day in bed, not doing anything, because I was sick. Uh, Um, and I think I had a little ice cream or something, but that was about it. Um, Well,
1: that's something.
0: But I did get some, I got some lovely presents from um, my family. We're going through a big, like, Tolkien phase right now for Uh a lot of reasons, and I got some really good Tolkien books that I only recently discovered, and they're wonderful, and I'm very happy.
1: Books about Tolkien, or? Um,
0: Some of them are books of stuff that he wrote, um, the outside of Lord of the Rings but still within the, the universe oh, and okay. um, the, the one that, that I just got is like a, a line by line um, explanation of a lot of the references like in, in Lord of the Rings so like you know he'll mention something offhand and it'll say he meant this and this is where this name comes from and you know this is where he developed the idea for this so it just kind of goes into backstory for a lot of small references and it's
1: really interesting it's a huge book it's giant you know, if we ever meet Stephen Colbert, the two of you will have so much to talk about, and I will just stand there and go, "You're so funny." Oh you know, man, but that'll be it, good. It's
0: just—it's really good. I'm very happy. It, it like I'm—you I'm, know—I've always been a Tolkien nerd, and there's just <laughs> a lot of stuff happening right now, and it's—it's it's very fun and cool, and I'm really enjoying it.
1: Oh, well, good.
0: Yeah. So let's open presents from me. Yeah. So I've got a box from Amazon. There that should has, be another box. Well, there's a. It's not a box. It's a little envelope. Okay. And it says Player One collectibles on it, and I'm assuming that that's from you.
1: Okay. Yeah. And okay. here's the thing: I, I knew it was coming two separate things. You're going to have to describe each thing because I sent them so long ago. I've forgotten what they are. <laughs> well, the one I know, called... I will be thrilled when I okay, hear, when good. you tell me what they are. Um,
0: the Player One collectibles one is sort of small, and then mm-hmm. the Amazon box feels very heavy. Like there's a couple of things in it. Yes. So which one should I open first? Uh, why
1: don't you open Player One? Okay. I can do and we'll that. find out what's in there. I know. Well, I had to
0: have my family um, look in the Amazon box just to make sure. I was oh, like, "Don't, okay. but don't they, tell me what's in kept it!" Fire. Just <laughs> They can fire right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, what is this? Oh, oh, it's it's a little magnet, and it says. <laughs> This is great it's a it's a dishwasher magnet and it's the kind where you turn it upside down and on one side it says dishes are clean and it's the little um kirk uh the mini mates kirk and then you turn it upside down and it says dishes are dirty and it's the gorn yeah
1: i, I like that that made me laugh really hard and
0: this is great. And they t- they took the trouble of photographing these little dolls on sort of a, um, a sandy background. So <laughs> oh, they really good. look like they're up in Vasquez Hills. Oh, that's adorable. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh, that's great. Good. I will be using that. Oh, that is okay.
1: Because, you know, I know someone who, who has a dishes or clean dishes or dirty thing, but not Star Trek, not as fabulous as Kirk and the Gorn. <laughs> oh,
0: it's wonderful. I love it. It's great. Okay, cool. So now I'm going to open the Amazon box. Oh. Okay, And um, we'll see what's in it. Oh, it's books. Oh, cool. All right. So the first one is Star Trek Red Shirt's Little Book of Doom. Do you remember when we (laughs) talked about this and said we wanted to
1: read it? So be sure and bring
0: it to um, Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. This is great. Oh, this is an adorable little book. The illustrations are so
1: cute. That's what I thought. Yay.
0: So, it, it, you know, it's it's illustrations of all the terrible things that the red shirts have to go through. And, you know, it ranges from um, the deadly to here's a little illustration of the red shirt sitting in a movie theater yeah. and with a lot of other folks and they're all watching a movie and the Gorn is sitting right in front of him and blocking his view so he can't see.
1: Oh, poor little red shirt.
0: Oh, it's great. It's really good. Oh, this is so cute. Thank you. I love it. Okay.
1: You're welcome. Yay!
0: Okay, and then the other one is a book I didn't know existed. I didn't either until I found oh, it. Oh, look at it! So this is "To Boldly Go": Rare photos from the TOS soundstage. Oh, over 400 extraordinary images from the second season.
1: Wow! Now it's I a picked big second book. season because there are three books. Uh-huh. Because I know that's got like "Mirror, Mirror," you know, yeah. a lot of favorites of ours wow. in it. So, and if you you know how sometimes when you ask them to put a gift message on it, it's like in two-point print on the <laughs> shipping thing? But I did write something like, there better be a lot of mirror mirror in uh,
0: Let's see. Oh, you're right. These are very small on these slips of paper. Let's see. Uh, gift receipt. That's that. There's all these little pieces of paper in here. I don't know what that could be. I set my shopping phaser on stun, and it worked. <laughs> okay, <laughs> That was one of them, and the other one says, "There better be some really hot stuff from Mirror Mirror." <laughs> See, I remembered that much. Oh, that's great. Well, these these are beautiful. So it's a it's a pretty big book. It's like a um, bigger than eight and a half by eleven, mm-hmm. and it has a lot of color pictures in it. And these look like they were taken from um, those film clips that have been being passed around for like yes. years and years. Yes. And so they're little clips from, you know, people holding the. Um, the clapboards and other things and just um some people have taken actual photographs so some of these are like 35 millimeter you know photographs Mm -hmm. but wow this is great
1: well i you know i hope there's some really good stuff in there i hope it's not all stuff we've you know just seen floating around online no i mean a few of them are but (laughs) here's here's a great picture of
0: um bill in the um the Harry Mud episode, the androids, I Mud, uh-huh. and he's posing with the the two the twins, yes. who have the um the Alice twins. And there's one where he's got his arms around them, but in this one, the two of them are looking at him, and they're sort of squeezing his face between their hands. Oh no! And he, it's it's very cute. It's very very cute. He looks slightly threatened by them.
1: Which is <laughs> you know that awesome. episode was on just like a week or so ago. I just love that episode. Oh. It's
0: so much fun. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Wow. These are amazing pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you like your present. Oh, I love it. Here's some pictures of Bill with his exotic and futuristic reactor concept car <laughs> looking so, so happy. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, this yes. is Captain
1: Kirk's car <laughs> Do you think he, he begged them to let him like drive that, you know, out of the studio and oh, home yeah. and put his kids in it (laughs) absolutely i'm sure he didn't and i'm sure when they
0: told him he couldn't he did it anyway oh yeah because he's bill because he's bill and he's the goddamn captain wow this is an amazing book this is so cool oh thank you so so much and and while
1: you're not feeling well you can browse through that and browse through little red shirt oh thank you wow this is great yay you're
0: welcome awesome yay yay i'm thrilled so, uh, let's see. So, I didn't see Bill doing much for his birthday, except, of course, he got lots of birthday wishes yes. wished to him, yes. which was very nice. And he did a tweet on, on Leonard's birthday, also my birthday, he said, mm-hmm. you know, missing a great friend today. And he put up a, a really nice picture of the two of them hugging and laughing, which I thought was really sweet.
1: Well, he used um, Tree to record a birthday <gasps> greeting Oh, Which uh-huh. was on the Shatner Facebook, and I'm pretty sure I put it up on the Look at His Butt Facebook. I'll have to check, but I thought that was a cute thing to do. Yeah, Chateau Tree still exists. Yes, um, I don't know. Have they
0: done any updates to it recently? I haven't, I even haven't heard. I don't oh. know. So that's good. So there's Bill passing another year. You know, <gasps> and he'll he'll be uh, getting his eleven first birthday soon. <laughs>
1: i hope he doesn't read poetry (laughs) oh
0: he probably will (laughs) and speaking of bill um he has a new movie that he signed up to do i know so i just saw this the other day and i was like what um so he's going to be in a romantic comedy called senior moment um And shooting will start in late spring in Palm Springs, California. Here's the plot. This sounds crazy. Shatner plays a retired Top Gun Navy pilot who tested aircraft for NASA. After speeding around town in his vintage convertible hot rod with his best friend in tow, he gets caught in a major crackdown to get dangerous senior drivers off the road. (laughs) Yeah, Drawn from his own life, Um, resulting in his car being impounded and his license revoked. And then I guess the plot gets started. That's all it says. So I, okay. maybe the person he falls in love with is the cop who pulls him
1: over or something? I don't know. So, so it, it doesn't tell us, like, who else is cast, who's the, no, the best friend or the... It doesn't say anything
0: else about it, just that um, he's going to do it. And it doesn't even say whether it's, like, a a movie that's going to be in the movies or... Uh, on TV, you know, it could be like a Netflix movie or a HBO movie. It doesn't say anything. No, else about it doesn't.
1: That. It doesn't say, but um, it says it's an independent film, hmm, independent okay. romantic comedy. So, okay, we shall well, see. Well, good for Bill. Um, yes, you know,
0: getting out there when he's not, you know, fighting with people on Twitter, which is what he's been doing today, as mm-hmm. I saw, over everything, still fighting those shipping people and various other things. Okay. Help. That's
1: what he likes to do. Well, let's give your voice a rest and I'll talk about something. Okay. Okay, I've got all our tabs open, so I'm just arbitrarily <laughs> clicking. And what I came up on on the great tabometer <laughs> is a review of a book that I remember reading ages ago. Cool. It is one of the first uh, Star Trek books I read. I know that much. And it is um, David Dvorkin's Time Trap. And I read this review, and I went, shit, I don't remember any of this. But <laughs> you have to keep in mind that on the cover was um, Kirk and a strange-looking woman, who you find out is Klingon. And so I was like, oh, sex, okay. So, you know, the rest of the plot completely went, went by me. But I do Ugh. want to read this review, because it's so funny. And then I have a question. Okay, so can attention. I just point
0: to, I want to point out one thing, first of all, about this sure. cover illustration. Is that that doesn't look like – bill it looks like will wheaton to me oh you're
1: right oh my goodness (laughs) and what is up with his left
0: hand look at how long his fingers are oh oh god (laughs) what's wrong with that it looks like he's got like spider stuck on his hand it's a really weird illustration okay that's
1: all i wanted to say about that so please tell us what happens in the book okay the the, um the title of this article by ellen cheeseman meyer great name Is Klingons drug (laughs) everyone? David Devorkin's Time Trap. I found okay. uh, She found this book uh, in a moving box. so good. (laughs) Features a particularly young and dewy looking Kirk Mm -hmm. standing next to a woman with an incredibly impressive eyebrow. She's got like serious unibrow Yes. in front of a fleet of Klingon birds of prey. The story is a subtle blend of problems. It deals with what is true and what seems to be true with how we see the dangers around us with the relationship between the Klingons and the Federation and with the way the world changes over time. And my sister describes the plot as completely banana pants. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to read this whole thing because otherwise you will never understand anything we're going to say about it. (laughs) The basic premise of Time Trap is that Kirk is kidnapped by Klingons Mm -hmm. who try to convince him that he has traveled in time to 100 years in the future and must return to his present with them to play a crucial role in brokering the great peace, which will bring the Klingons and the Federation together. This they helpfully remind him will be the beginning of the alliance the Organians predicted. Oh, okay. Kirk and Kor were both skeptical about it then because they hated each other's guts and were dedicated to depriving each other of control of Organia. As that episode reminds us, things are not always as they seem. The Klingons would like to remind Kirk of this because their master plan, which is world-spanningly epic, (laughs) is contingent upon things seeming to be other than they are. The Empire has invested a great deal of time in cultivating illusions, for example, the illusion of time travel. They didn't go anywhere. How did they convince Kirk they did? Drugs. Ooh, drugs, lots and lots of drugs. <laughs> Kirk got himself kidnapped in the middle of an attempt to rescue a crew of a Klingon ship that was caught in some kind of space storm <laughs> thing. Thing. <laughs> Near Tholian space. Lots of bad shit goes down in Tholian space. He and a security team beamed aboard the Klingon vessel, the Mauler. Oh, good name. (laughs) To attempt to rescue the crew because they believed the ship was breaking up. Instead, it completely disappeared. And then Kirk woke up on a Klingon base where Klingon commander Morith explained, quote, what had happened, unquote. Kirk feels surprisingly well for a man who's been through a shaky extraction from a damaged ship in Tholian space. His apparent health seems like it could be evidence of Klingon claims to possess advanced medical technology, or alternatively, like some fairly intense (laughs) painkillers. Kirk believes in option one, partly because a lot of things make sense when you're on fairly intense painkillers. Uh, 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 uh. For those gaps the drug can't fill, Morith introduces Kirk to Calrind, the woman who will be his new Klingon girlfriend. His Klingon girlfriend, great. Morith and Calrind claim to be new Klingons. Ooh. A group that has worked to achieve peace and suppress the aggressive nationalist impulses of the old Klingons in favor of their enlightened acceptance of space internationalism. They claim to have been in power in the Klingon Empire for most of the century since Kirk hopped forward to their time. They're still Klingons. They assert that a segment of the population still has warlike impulses. They still play Klingja, whatever that is. But they're ashamed of the aggression that characterized Klingon culture of centuries past. And they're Pass that now. Of course they are. They've got ailborn the Organian along for the ride to show that their intentions are truly sincere. ailborn may be the only character involved in this plot who isn't drugged because he's also not there. <laughs> Pro tip, if your super advanced species looks like a cheap special effect, it is tragically easy to impersonate using cheap special effects. In fact, The Klingons don't have any special medical technology. They haven't even patched Kirk back together very well. We will later discover that he's roaming around, punching Klingons, taking walks, having sex, with massive internal injuries, but too high on painkillers to notice. (laughs) You're believing all this, right? (laughs) Sure. Sure. He experiences periods of energy and euphoria, followed by periods of inexplicable fatigue. He does not report any symptoms of physical trauma, including obvious contusions, abrasions, fractures, lacerations, or pain. Given McCoy's later report on the extent of his injuries, I have to think he's just failing to notice. Our boy Jimmy is easily distracted by the ladies. <laughs> so Kirk... he, has, he has massive internal injuries, and he
0: doesn't know any, notice any other side effects? I mean, sure, there's painkillers, but wouldn't it,
1: like, prevent you from walking and functioning? Well, these <laughs> yeah, are amazing no space drugs, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Kirk falls for Calrind pretty hard yeah. and finds himself surprised by, quote, the strength and depth of his feelings for her, uh-huh. which is what they call it in the 24th century, I guess. <laughs> Calrind alleges that she is a Klingon historian. She has many, many questions for Kirk because she's so intensely curious about the past, like historians are. Mm-hmm. The documents available in the Klingon archives are tragically incomplete. Even after a century of sharing information with the Federation, she has a lot of gaps to fill. <laughs> If there is one thing I resent about the historians of the future proposed by the Star Trek universe, it is their failure to pursue any kind of coherent analytical perspective. They are obsessed with efforts to clarify the details of the historical narrative, which is not a horrible or worthless project. It's just also not the sole purpose of the field. It's overly simplistic. If you're ever trying to figure out if someone who claims to be a historian from the future is telling the truth, all you really need to do is ask her about her (laughs) dissertation. If the answer sounds like, I explained some stuff that happened, you are not talking to an actual historian, or at least not talking to an actual historian who has any interest in having a conversation with you. We've already established why Kirk isn't doing this. My best guess is that the Klingons have discovered heroin. <laughs> why is Cal rin doing this? Again, drugs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. To make a Klingon woman fall in love with and appear lovable to Captain James T. Kirk, you need a lot of drugs. <laughs> Cal Rind, we will ultimately discover, is up to her amazing unibrow in something mood-altering. This mysterious substance is also responsible for implanting her memories and personality. So I can't compare it to a 21st-century Terran product. Wow! Although the strategies involved are limited, the scope of the Klingons' plan is vast. Not only do they have a ship full of Klingons who have been drugged. <laughs> so that normal Klingon social interactions don't alarm Kirk, they have Klingon agents spread throughout the Federation. These agents were smuggled into place and given identification papers hailing from the locations of conflicts and natural disasters that destroyed local records, rendering their identifications difficult to verify. If this seems like a twisted future argument for extreme vetting, please be assured they (laughs) all posed as citizens of the Federation. Like Cal rind the Klingon agents in the Federation are using mood-controlling drugs. Of course they are. This time to help them pass as human. This led me to assume that everyone Dvorkin described as short-tempered was a secret Klingon, an assumption which, alas, was not borne out within the pages of the novel. I'm still convinced it's true, though. <laughs> the Federation has been pretty thoroughly infiltrated up to the highest levels. I'm not real clear on where those Klingon agents are getting their drugs. I I infer that the Klingons are also into trafficking. You would think so, given all the drugs that they have, yeah. Like all good science fiction, Time Trap deals with the historical context of its creation just as much as the imagined future of its setting. The combination of the cultural masochism with a plot clearly intended to show young fans how drugs will make them sell out to the Klingons (laughs) resonates with the era, era of Just Say No and concerns about the future health of the East German women's swim team. And to be fair, my memory of those concerns come entirely from the 1994 movie, Junior. (laughs) It also opens up a a series of fascinating questions for readers now. Questions like, how does one carry out covert surgical repairs on a patient with internal abdominal injuries? I thought the attending physician's explanation for anesthesia was weak, but the lethargy caused by the patient's internal bleeding limited the need for preoperative counterintelligence (laughs) measures. For obvious reasons, surgery itself was not described in the patient's report, but the surgeon probably used a laparoscopic (laughs) approach to minimize scarring at the incision site. The patient was permitted to overexert himself during post-operative recovery leading to re-injury this in combination with serious ethical concerns suggests that covert approaches to trauma surgery should be used only when all other non-fatal options have been exhausted (laughs) and consent can be obtained from a third party who takes responsibility for the patient's post-operative care
0: oh my god that's so funny i guess she's a, a doctor the person who wrote this review because that's pretty technical it I says love she it.
1: teaches history and reads a lot
0: really well yes. she certainly writes like someone who is either a doctor or a hospital administrator
1: <laughs> which i love <laughs> I am pleased to report that my children found my dinner table conversation about this book very enlightening. And now we all know where our screens are. (laughs) The most fun we have had with a Star Trek novel since I bribed them to eat pizza crust first as part of the research for my review on Vonda McIntyre's novelization of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Sometimes a plot that's completely banana pants is the best kind. Wow. You know, you read this whole thing,
0: and I listened and was reading along with it. I still don't actually understand what happens in the book. Well, I will tell you, because that's the part she skipped.
1: Yeah. She was so hung up on the drugs. Um, They do, you know, they want Kirk to give them all kinds of crucial information Uh by convincing him. "It, It doesn't matter anymore. We just need you to clear up a few points. And he figures it out and the reason I remember this one Star Trek book and this one plot point out of all the ones that my memory has said no we don't have room for this um, is because when I was about nine or ten one summer probably because they couldn't afford to do much of anything else for entertainment every Saturday night my parents put us all in the station wagon and took us to the drive-in movies Uh huh. and they were always showing war movies <laughs> And one of the war movies starred James Garner and was called 36 Hours. Do you know it? No. Okay. It's post-World War Two. The Germans are convincing him. He's had amnesia for 10 years. Mm. And, you know, maybe there's drugs involved. I was a kid. <laughs> but, you know, so he's supposed to tell them all this stuff. And, of course, there is a woman, you know, sashaying around the place and everything. But he figures it out because right before he was kidnapped – Which he doesn't remember you know Uh he's just amnesia um he got a paper cut and a couple days into being with the germans somebody you know spritzes lemon juice or something on it and he realizes it does not take a paper cut 10 years to heal yeah same thing happens with kirk oh but here is the other thing i as i said this is um one of the first star trek books i read and I do not remember when that was, but you know, it's not like Star Trek was on the air or had just gone off when I started reading these things. I mean, I was, you know, probably easily out of college. So, you know, we were well into syndication and everything, right? Uh uh And uh, it says this was published in 88. Now, Hmm, okay, so that's quite, quite a bit past college for me, but I'm wondering if because of all the drugs, if there was like a de-drugified version of this, because I do not remember this, huh. and I do remember a scene of Cal Rind when Kirk finally figures it out, telling him how horrible it was to have to pretend to love a human and have sex with this animal. Oh, oh my God. So it didn't sound to me like Calrind was being tricked into doing this. Huh?
0: That's really weird. I, I mean, it, it's entirely possible. I, I am not familiar with this book at all. I didn't okay. know it existed. Um, and th- like I said, the, the the summary was hilarious, but um, didn't actually give away much of the plot. No.
1: Huh. What happens in the end? I mean, he escapes and... and he somehow sp- figures it out, and I don't remember what happens, but obviously he gets back to the ship and McCoy examines him and goes, holy shit, you know, what have you been doing for two weeks or however long it was, but... um. Yeah, so I've given you the, the the basic thing that clears it all up. Huh. And she's given us all the interesting drug information. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow.
1: So, listeners, if any of you read Time Trap, I want to know what you remember about it. Did, yeah. did your version... First of all, what was your reason for reading it? Like I said, there was Kirk and a woman on the cover, and I went, yay, sex. You might have read for a different reason. Do you remember all this drug stuff, and do you remember the plot resolution the way I do? Yeah, so um, these are all important questions. Do they your, are. Do your homework. We haven't had homework in a long time. It's true. I, I would
0: like to know what other people got out of that particular um, book. Because yeah. I'm probably never going to read it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no. Just just so you know.
1: You know, somebody needs to... I mean, this is very funny, but it doesn't tell us the whole story or how it's resolved. Somebody needs to do a Cliff Notes of all these books. Uh, yeah. You know, I was just looking over at um, one of the
0: uh, Star Trek, the Memory Alpha wiki, wiki mm-hmm. and their summary of this is terrible it's not very good and I was thinking there should be better descriptions of this book oh yeah they should do it but yeah I I will say if you're looking for it it does look like Will Wheaton on the cover (laughs) and I noticed it does you know, I notice on this reproduction of the cover, there's a number 40 up in the upper right-hand corner. Does that mean it's the 40th publication from Pocket Books in the Star Trek series? Oh, quite wow.
1: possible. Well, that's by 1988, they could have gotten up to that because they didn't yeah. Spock Must Die or Spock Messiah come out while the series was still yeah, in production? It, it was. It was like 68 so that's or 69. 20 years.
0: Yeah, that's a Two lot books of Two books a
1: year, that's 40 books. Yeah.
0: Wow. So, um... Well, thank you for telling us about that, and um, I'm interested to, to to hear your view on it, which is apparently different from the person who reviewed it, but a good review nonetheless. Oh,
1: yes. This was a delightful review. Yeah. So um, thank you, Ellen Cheeseman Meyer. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for taking
0: one for the team.
1: Yeah. Um, before we take our break, yes, there is uh, something very quick we want to talk about, which is some casting news from <gasps> Discovery. Yes, this to me is the first thing that has excited me about Discovery. <laughs> Rain Wilson is going to play Harry Mudd. That's an amazing casting choice. It really is. Um, Rain Wilson, for those of you who don't know, played Dwight Schrute uh quite possibly the most memorable character on the office after Michael Scott and in many episodes before Michael Scott. Uh-huh. And Rain Wilson was also in Galaxy Quest yes, as he one was. of the aliens that was his first ever uh movie. And um so he is going to be playing Harry Mudd. <laughs> and that's all we know about it. Yeah. Uh, some, You know, I I've, I've followed a little bit of discussion here and there, and some people are going, this is fantastic, he's he's so amazing. And some people who I think have only seen him do Dwight Schrute are going, oh, well, I don't know, you know, but he is a very gifted actor. Oh, he is, yeah, he has a huge range. Oh, yes. And then somebody brought up, which I thought was interesting, saying, um, I wish they were... And we haven't seen the show yet, so who knows how valid this is. Introducing more new characters instead of recasting the old ones. Like we know they've got Sarek and now they've got Harry Mudd. Yeah. But um, Harry Mudd is so much fun that written properly and played properly, it is going to bring such a welcome dimension to Discovery. Oh, to keep espe- it from taking itself too seriously.
0: Definitely. And especially a younger Harry Mudd. So we get to see what he was doing before he showed up in the, uh, Mudd's Women. You yes. You know, like, yes. Like, what's his history? How did he get to be in that place? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how, how maybe how he got to be the, the con man that he is. Yes. I, I, I don't, I understand the concerns, but given that all of the rest of the cast are new, and now we've mm-hmm. heard about two characters out of, you know, what, a dozen maybe that are people that we're familiar with, and I doubt they're going to be in every episode, so I, I don't, I'm not worried about that. No, I'm
1: not either. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. But that, um, to me, is is you know, the first thing that makes me go, okay, I might watch this. Yeah. I mean, I, the other actors, they're probably great, but I, I have not heard of them, I haven't seen them do things, because they've mostly been in stuff I just don't watch. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they're, they're not talented, but he is one that I'm going, oh, good, good, good. Yeah. So... It's going to be great. We
0: are excited.
1: Yay!
0: We are excited.
1: Um, Okay, let's take a little break. We have more fun, fun, fun stuff. Yes. Um, And we will be back shortly.
0: Okay, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out
1: new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before.
0: Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Go. So, listeners, Silicon Valley Comic Con is coming up really soon. It's the weekend of April 22nd, and we're going to go. In fact, our tickets or badges just came in the mail the other day. <gasps> oh, excited! Yeah, I was like, what is this? Oh, it's our badges. Yay. So that was good. Now, of course, being a con, one of the events that we want to go to required us to purchase yet another ticket so that we could go. But it was only 10 bucks, so that right. was fine. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so on Friday night is going to be Star Trek, the Next Generation 30th Anniversary Panel, hosted by your friend and mine, William Shatner.
1: Yay! Yes. And Jonathan Frakes is going to be there, right? Yes, yes. I think that's going to really be funny because I think, you know, I just love Jonathan Frakes for that. Chaos on the Bridge movie. Oh, yes. Where he said, Oh, Bill.
0: He's (laughs) so funny totally not intimidated by
1: bill i know i think that's great
0: it's going to be good so it's 6 30 to 8 30 on friday night uh, april 21st and bill's hosting and then frakes will be there uh, marina syrtis brent spiner gates mcfadden denise crosby and robert o'reilly who played gowron the klingon Oh, okay. Um, and the good thing is that we just had to buy general admission tickets but because we have passes for the whole weekend we get priority seating which is really good
1: yes and we decided to you know buy slightly better tickets yeah because we are not staying at a hotel we're going to sleep out on the streets so that's right you know bring us food and drugs and <laughs> <clubs. laughs>
0: it's going to be so good and there is going to be A Q&A at the end of the panel so this is very very exciting and bill's doing some other stuff there too so
1: right i think he's there friday and saturday so i'm thinking yeah. saturday is his bill uh bill shills bill's on the stage <laughs> doing whatever he wants to do you know so it,
0: it's going to be great. And so many other wonderful guests are going to be there. I was particularly excited to see that the um, the woman who was the linguist who consulted on Arrival is going to be there. I definitely want to see what she has to say.
1: Well, when I read through that list, and they've broken them up really nicely, like, here are the celebrities, mm-hmm. and then here are the science people, and I'm reading through it, and a lot of them, you know, I haven't heard of. But when I read what they were you know, going to be talking about and everything, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah. It's think, going to be terrific. I think it's going to be... it's it, if it's like last year, it's such a great combination of pop culture and hard science. Yeah. It's, it's it's amazing. I've never seen a con like this. Um, and
0: plus, I, I don't know if I forwarded this note to you, but they're going to have an outdoor area as well with food trucks and, like, <gasps> little stage shows so you can do, like, science. You know, they, they uh-huh. have little science experiments and some music and stuff. So if you're tired cool. of being inside, you can go hang out outside and Freshier enjoy the nice weather. Fresh at a con? What are yeah. they thinking? I know, right? And the food <sighs> trucks are always good, so that would be yeah. terrific. Wow.
1: So... Uh, listeners, if you're gonna be there, let us know. Yeah, you know we love to meet you. We love to hang out with you. It'll be terrific. We're gonna, yes. and,
0: and we'll be doing a lot of recording, of course. Of course. Yeah. So, um, why don't you talk a little bit about the the
1: masculinity thing, just so we okay. can get that out of the way? Okay. Okay. Let me find that. Again. This was an article that was posted on the Mary Sue, and it's. It's kind of a dissertation. <laughs> it is, yeah. By Becca Burnett, and it's to boldly go where no man has gone before. The Kobayashi Maru of modern masculinity. It's a little misleading because Kobayashi Maru is never uh, mentioned. <laughs> yes, but they're saying this is like a similar no, no-win thing. But it basically talks about that Spock is different from every other Vulcan we ever saw, which is true because mm. he is half human. Mm-hmm. The rest, as far as we know, are either who um, uh, who is half Romulan, and full, full Vulcans. But Spock is the one who was always trying to control his emotions, because that was harder for him than for the full Vulc- Vulcans. Mm-hmm. And then it so it's talking about that, and then it says um, it contrasts that with Kirk, and they're saying people say you know they are the opposite of the same coin and she is saying her premise is that it's both this, they are both the same because spock has this allowable range kirk's allowable range is aggression and sex and when um spock finally gets you know his the the pan far hits him you know pretty hard and uh then suddenly he's got the romance thing kirk uses violence You know, to snap him out of it. Same when Spock falls in love with um, Jill Ireland and and stuff like that. And so what she's basically saying is the message we are giving young boys is these are your options to be violent or to be sexual. Those are your outlets. Those are your emotional outlets. And in a way, that's true. But I'm thinking, just like everything else, when you try to distill Kirk down into some little thing to fit into your theory – You're missing so much of it. Because I'm thinking, no, look at all the decisions he makes that do not involve sex or aggression on how to, you know, handle all the various situations they come up against. He is a truly unselfish hero. So, you know, we'll post the link and you can all go read it. It's not a really long article. No. But, um... And in some ways, what she's trying to say about our modern culture is that we really do limit our idea of what modern masculinity is or just the male character or whatever is true. It's a valid point. But she, by trying to cloak it in Star Trek and make these guys fit, it doesn't work. I, told, I completely
0: agree with you and I disagree with um... The the very definition when she says, Kirk's displays of emotion are largely confined within two very safe conventionally masculine boxes, aggression and libido. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's true. I think think we see Kirk showing a lot of emotion over a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. He gets upset when crew people die. He always gets upset when, when a crew member dies. He he gets very emotional about the welfare of other people. Mm-hmm. He gets very emotional about his own loneliness and, and, you know, lack of connection with people because he has to be the captain of the ship. We see that all the time. I mean, yes. Kirk's, an, Kirk's an emotional guy. I, I he would, is. You know, and that's part of the reason why he and Spock do work as foils to each other, because Spock isn't an emotional person, and Kirk, Mm -hmm. you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve to a large extent. Oh, completely. Yeah, and and, which is why, you know, McCoy as a character has to be even further than Kirk is Mm -hmm. on the emotional span, and that's why his character is so, so snappy and so irritable and so you know when he when he lays on that southern gentleman charm you know it's Mm -hmm. almost an exaggerated thing because he has to be more than kirk and kirk's already an emotional guy
1: yeah so anyway we're going to put up the link because we always do things like that and again if you have opinions on this yeah we want to know about it yeah i would much
0: rather people take kirk as a role model than spock that's for sure
1: yes (laughs) absolutely and i think uh you know, he, he does have have darkness to him, which every human being does, but uh, he would be a great role model for not just men, but yeah. for all of
0: us. All of us. And he he suffers from being written in the late 1960s, but that's a thing we need to accept and get past.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: All right. Let's talk about this thing with the what the fuck moments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because... I don't know, man. People are getting lazy. But I will give them a <laughs> okay. huge, huge amount of props for using the picture of Kirk
1: that they used in the header. <laughs> the thing is, this article showed up just a couple days after the um, Kirk's Best Costumes. <laughs> yeah. Which I was going, well, where was his fancy outfit that he married Miramani in? And, of mm-hmm. course, the Ripidist shirt. Right. And so they have the Ripidist shirt picture here. At the very top, and it says Star Trek 17 most what the fuck things Captain Kirk has ever done. Yeah. So th- let's,
0: let's, we'll start off positive because of the picture, you know. Okay. Ripped shirt, a little bloody, a little dirty. He's mm-hmm. smiling. He's got his hands on his knees. It's good. It's very good. Um, I'm first of all going to say on this list, we're going to throw out anything that has to do with um, the movies. Well, yes, that was my first thought.
1: (laughs) So that's not even part of it. Let's just Mm -hmm. get rid of it. But let's let's share his premise, okay? Okay. Kirk saved his ship, several planets, entire species, and Earth many times. But along the way, he did a lot of head-scratching things that no captain on a more recent Star Trek series could get away with. Honestly, that's what made the show and Kirk so much fun. He had a wild card streak that drove him, and he took us along for the ride. So, what they are trying to list here is the seventeen moments where you just went, "What the fuck? Why did why did he do
0: that?" So, and I, to a large extent, I agree with it. And, and, well, we'll see as they okay. as discuss it. So number 17 is from the movie, so skip it. Um, 16 is in um, Dagger of the Mind when he lets himself sit in the neural neutralizer chair. And I agree, that's a pretty weird decision
1: for him to make, but, you know. But he needed to know more. Yeah. And could he have ordered Helen Noel to sit there mm-hmm. when he doesn't know what's going to happen? That's, that's not our captain.
0: Right. And and he trusts her because she knows how to operate the machinery. She's a, she's a psychiatrist. So right. presumably with her at the controls, a bad thing isn't going to happen. Right.
1: Right. It's only because Dr. whatever his name is comes Dr. in. there. Dr. Adams. Yes. yes. Okay.
0: So that was good. Um, let's see. Oh, I do like at the end uh, that they say uh, at the end of the episode, um, Dr. Helen Noel redeems herself and helps save the day, which is absolutely true. That is true okay yeah. so a 15 is wink of an eye um, when uh, Kirk very very obviously has sex with Dela here's the thing I object to in this um, you know the point of the episode was that they were the Scalosians needed to have uh, more babies because they weren't and so that was part of it they're going to have the the humans mm-hmm. to reproduce with, and so the in the article it says due to the whole scalosian crisis, we know she wasn't using birth control, and due to Kirk being
1: Kirk, we know he wasn't either. That's ridiculous. I completely object to that. How so do we do know that? that was the part? I went, what? Just because you have sex, that means you're not using birth control. If anything, it is more likely that you know he's shooting up with birth control every hour or something the way totally. he goes.
0: He's a responsible guy. He's, he's not going to be going around having unprotected sex with people.
1: hmm No. Yeah. Just no. <laughs> yeah. I do like number 14. I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> number 14 had the most boring fantasy vacation ever. Yes. Um, I love this. Uh, it's Shore Leave. And it says, uh, when he reminisces about his youth, Ruth shows up. No disrespect to the actress, (coughs) but Ruth, the character, looks like a child's doll. Glowing skin and over-the-top hairdo, soft voice, and not much personality to speak of. Mm -hmm. Her entire function is to swoon over Kirk and tell him she'll be waiting for him whenever he wants. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, I would like to say that, uh, you know, at the conclusion he goes off with Ruth to hang out with her for a while. I think that probably lasted five minutes before he was wrestling tigers.
1: I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing I always think of when I think of Ruth <clears throat> is on one of the Star Trek sites where they like summarized not the episodes but um the characters. And they always had a memorable line at the end. Her memorable line? Jim Darling. Yes. <laughs> yep exactly so yeah that was a good one good call good call
0: Yep. uh number 13 uh getting uh, pissing off god in uh, star trek 5 uh challenging god after two minutes two minutes after meeting him is awfully reckless but i think that's totally in character for kirk i do too you know he's he can be reckless and
1: he wants to understand why would god need a starship I just like this one sentence. God gets mad, shoots beams from his eyes, attacks Kirk, and everything goes south from there. (laughs) This is true. Okay, Okay. skipping the next one because of the stupid movie. Yep. This one I really thought about. I thought about it too. Okay, it's number 11. Didn't tell anyone else he knew they weren't really marooned for all eternity. And we're, we're referring here, of course, to Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, yeah, okay, go with your thoughts, because mine are a little jumbled right now. Yeah, so the,
0: you know, hours will seem like days kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he has this code with Spock, and he doesn't tell anybody else about it, because he knew that Khan was listening to the communications. Right. So in the article, they say, we get why he used the code on his communicator since Khan was listening, but once that's done, he just goes on allowing everyone in his party to believe that the Enterprise has long since departed and isn't coming back, even though he knows they are, just for the drama of the big reveal. I completely disagree with that. I think at this point, he he couldn't tell them because he didn't know if any of them were spies or whether there were other listening devices or what was going on? There was no way he could risk Khan knowing what the plan
1: actually was. Right, because he had just recently found out that Chekhov and the, the other captain right. had things in their ears that <laughs> made them, you know, Khan minions. Exactly. He doesn't, I mean, even Carol or even David, he doesn't know. He hasn't. He has, he's never met David. And he hasn't seen Carol in 20 years or something. Exactly. Savvic's so new to him he doesn't know so he is being
0: as prudent as he can possibly be so that that never struck me as like a what the fuck moment when i saw it in the movie i kind of instantly realized why he did that
1: and it made perfect sense to me so well and also kirk never gives out information he doesn't have to yeah because we have seen episodes and i can't I know there was one recently, but I can't think what it was, where crewmen are going like, why are we doing this? And Kirk is like, just be quiet. Yeah. Like oh, like in uh, Deadly Years at the end where he's going, yes, yeah, send this out over Code 3. But Captain, the Klingons have just sent it out over mm-hmm. Code 3. He doesn't have to explain himself. In this one, he's an admiral. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have to do it probably when he was a goddamn ensign, but certainly <laughs> certainly not. So
0: yeah. Number The next one. Uh, he created the con <laughs> problem in the first place. Well, yes, he did. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs>
0: That's absolutely true. But,
1: but you know, if he hadn't, we would not have had the best Star Trek movie ever. This, this
0: is true. Um, I like the ending line to this. Um, what does Kirk do at the end of the episode? Send him and all his people to an uninhabited planet? Because what could possibly happen?
1: What? What? It's perfectly safe. <laughs> Now, this next one, I remember thinking something like this the last time I saw this episode, which has been quite a while. Yeah. But it was took Scotty to a bordello to cure his, quote, total resentment towards women. And uh, what's the name of the episode? Wolf in the Fold. Mm. Right. So we learned that Scotty has had some accident that was caused by a woman. So now he hates all women. (laughs) Well, first of all, I'd say this guy has some deep problems if one accident, which may have been bad, may have been mine or whatever, has now made him hate all women. Yeah, so
0: there's there's sixties pop psychology sticking butting its ugly self in there for oh, a ridiculous I know. premise.
1: I know, but so Kirk takes him to this place where he can, you know, ogle dancing girls and uh, and that cures him. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stupid premise, um, but
0: I would definitely say that Kirk taking one of his senior officers down for shore leave on a, a vacation planet. You know, you got to assume this place is kind of like Riza. I think he would do that. Yeah. You know, like, let's throw out all of the resenting women stuff and just say, Scotty needs a break, so let's all go down to this planet and get drunk and have fun. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. buy that.
1: I buy that. You're going to have to read the rest of it. I'm afraid to open mine, and I'm afraid to <laughs> turn the sound off. We'll have no podcast. So tell us what the others are, please.
0: The next one is threatened to spank a planetary leader. And what the is hell from, is wrong with that? Yeah, Elan of Troya. So, yeah, he does say that to her, and that's not a great thing to say. Um, you what know, else are you going to say to her? I know. he says, uh, if I touch you again, your glory, it'll be to administer an ancient Earth custom called a spanking, a form oh, of punishment right. administered to spoiled brats. So, he, he says that. Um, oh, yeah, he does. But it's... Yeah. It's not a good thing for him to say.
1: Yeah, okay. I'll
0: I'll agree with that. But um, it adds
1: something nice to that episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> here's the next one. Mark okay. of Gideon. And I I want to take exception to this. <laughs> okay. It, the number seven is every single thing in Mark of Gideon.
1: <laughs> I kind of agreed with that. What do you have against Well, it?
0: okay, here's the thing. Um It says, Hard to know where to begin. Is it when Kirk finds himself on a depopulated enterprise and assumes that everyone else has disappeared in just a few seconds? Um, When it happens to Spock, he figures it out in a heartbeat and quickly contacts the real ship. Is it when he tells Adona, who he just met, that they have enough food and power to stay there alone indefinitely? Is it finding out that she lied to him about losing her memory and was part of a plan to make him want to stay on Gideon forever and forgiving her instantly? Uh, He's in good company because the whole plan is a giant mess. If the planet's so crowded, how did they find space for a giant life-size empty enterprise? Yeah, I agree with that.
1: I agree with all of that.
0: Um, Why didn't Kirk bring charges against them for kidnapping him, stealing his blood, and threatening to keep him prisoner forever? So I always thought that when he he is there and he's trying to figure things out, he's kind of playing along. He certainly, to me, always seems like he's playing along with her. That he wasn't being straight with her. And when he says things like, you know, oh, we've got enough food. We can stay here forever. He's just trying to figure out what's really going on. And again, not dispensing any information. Certainly at the beginning, yes, he is playing her. Yeah. And and he's playing the whole situation because I think he realizes that he just has to pretend like he doesn't understand what's happening so that he can find out what what's really going on. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think he really thought he was on his own ship. He knows his ship too well to, to think that that was his ship. Anyway, that's hmm. just, maybe that's my headcanon for this. But I, I always felt like he was, the, the whole thing was him playing along until he could find out what was happening.
1: Um, I have a certain fondness for that episode because of something you said. Yes. The time, one of the times, maybe, I don't know how many times we've watched it, but that we were watching it together. And he's wandering around the ship and all of a sudden she shows up. And she's like spinning and what's going on? And you went, oh, good. A yoga instructor. <laughs> I still think that is like the funniest reaction you could possibly have to her showing up. Yeah. So good for true. you.
0: Yeah. And he and he's going, when did we get a ship's yoga instructor? <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, well, mm. at least you'll be flexible. Yeah, really. <laughs> Okay, anyway, I don't know. If people have other ideas about this, I'd like to know it, but that was my personal interpretation. Okay. Okay, next one. Dress the uh, Ilia probe in sh- a shorty robe and high heels. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree That's... with that one. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, we'll just say a big yes to that. But you know what? He's, he's able to very quickly conjure that up, you know, that she needs some clothes. And don't you think that... Um, well, when he's with a woman and things get carried away, maybe her clothes get ripped and so it's like, okay, that's okay, honey, I can get you something to wear. And he's got this pre-programmed. This is what what he likes to see women wearing.
0: Well, yes, obviously So he hits the is. button and
1: bam, there, she's yeah. got
0: it. There's only one setting. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Number five, revealed the Enterprise to an extremely primitive culture. This is from the movie, so we'll skip that. Oh, okay. Um it's from the new movies not the okay. old movies uh number four started a guerrilla war against the klingons after being repeatedly asked not to again i object to this because that's the plot well yeah <laughs> that's literally the plot of the episode and that's why when he gets his his slap in the face from the organians at the end it's so satisfying because he's wrong he's he totally wrong
1: yes yes so, and you can't say that it was like a violation of the prime directive because um uh, uh the organians know everything about the Federation. So he's not revealing yeah. anything new. He's just really showing his own personal disgust at what he sees as wimpiness.
0: Yes, <laughs> completely. And, and the, the, I think the genius of that episode is you buy into Kirk's point of view for most yes. of the episode and you're led further and further down the road of going, yeah, it's okay to resist. Yeah. It's okay to blow things up. Yeah. It's okay to do this. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, wow, that was bad. That, yeah. Those were bad choices. And, yeah. you, you know, you realize that you, you just got suckered in to, to Kirk's kind of, we have to do this now without even thinking about it very much. And, th- again, that's the point of that episode. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Three, gave MNR7 back the horrors of war. So um, that is, uh, what the heck is that episode called? I can't uh, even remember.
1: Uh, uh, oh, crap. Uh, And I just watched it.
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't remember. So it's the one with the the war that they're having, and they
1: have the suicide boots that they have to go into. Yes, yes. And I don't think that's a what-the-fuck thing to have done at all. This Um, war had gone on so long and had killed so many people, and it was never going to end given the rules of of that game. And so... What's better, a war that's gone on peacefully for 300 years, let's say, and has killed 3 million people on both sides, on each side, or, you know, put together, or a war that goes on for a year or five years or 10 years Mm -hmm. kills much fewer people, and then they all go, this is awful. We have to negotiate a peace. I completely agree with Kirk on this one
0: i i agree with it too um his the quote is death destruction disease horror that's what war is all about anon that's what makes it a thing to be avoided yes yes Yes. yeah that that's again that's the point of that one yep okay number two uh this is the apple destroyed an entire (laughs) culture and told the natives to make babies with no further insight and then left (laughs) yeah i mean sure the whole point about avoiding stagnation uh is the the real point, but yeah, maybe he should have left some advisors to help them. That well, might have been okay. Idea. He's
1: not big on leaving advisors, but <laughs> when he does, he doesn't do a good job of it. I'll say that. Because in the um the red hour one uh huh. Okay, when they d- destroy Landrew. He leaves one advisor for this whole planet. <laughs> Should we should we make up a
0: nice story about that and go? Well, you know, he let Starfleet know, and Starfleet is going to send a
1: whole ship full of
0: people to help them adjust. That's
1: true, of course, of course. And that advisor is just there to hold things together until Starfleet sends thousands of anthropologists and everything else. So, okay, good, good one.
0: Sure. Imagine imagine the story of the person who got sent to um, the Red Hour Planet the Archon planet, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're sitting in their quarters, you know, playing Pokemon or whatever, and they get this thing, and it says, you are hereby report to report to the transporter room, you're in charge of this planet for three weeks until somebody else can show up. Yeah, and bring all like, your stuff. <laughs> and all your stuff, and they're like, uh, 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 um, did I sign up for this? I don't think I signed up for this. Yeah, you they did. T- <laughs> they try to they try to get in touch with Kirk, it's like, sir, sir, I'm not sure I can hold- do the whole planet, and Kirk's like, who are you again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry, son, you you can do the whole planet. Yes. You can do the whole planet. It's fine. Just it's go. Three Bye. Weeks.
1: three weeks. That's it.
0: <laughs> I want an episode about that person.
1: <laughs> well, think about it. This is, a, now we're really good off track, but this is a society where everything is completely bland and uncontrolled and, and until red hour when they go insane. These are the two options these people know about. Uh-huh. And now you have a whole planet full of people who have no control. (laughs) But you're going to put one guy. So I figure the entire planet will be gone. Everyone will be dead and uh, will be blown up by the time three weeks when the the uh, the real people who could really take charge show. Or
0: it'll be it'll be like um, Patterns of Force where just out of desperation he'll the, the, the guy who gets sent down introduces something yes. to distract them. Yes. and and they'll become obsessed with it. So, you know, it's yes. like he'll 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 teach them how to play solitaire and they'll become mm-hmm. a, a whole planet of people obsessed with playing solitaire and it yeah. changes the course of their history
1: that's right sometimes these things have unforeseen consequences see wrath of khan <laughs> exactly
0: okay and this takes us to number one took over an entire planet and then demanded a cut of their profits 40 percent. so piece of the action yes and uh it it references uh Kirk's solution to the problem, which was to put Starfleet in charge of the planet, uh, send down that one guy who's going to take over everything <laughs> for three weeks, and then come back once a year to pick up his profits. Yes. Uh, what's crazy about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's a gangster planet. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess that's, you know, that leads you to these types of conclusions, I guess.
1: I guess. And it was a solution to the problem right yeah it was the best solution he could come up with in an Mm -hmm. hour or 50 minutes (laughs) whatever um (laughs) in one of the strange new worlds anthologies those are the the stories written by fans there is a good story about the the federation apparently has not been showing up on a yearly basis to get their cut (laughs) and so the whatever they're called um has sent a representative to the Federation trying to give them their money. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That sounds really good. I like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, I guess I'm, I'm on board with the what the fuck for the last one. But, you know, it was a gangster planet and, yeah. and it made sense. And, you know, he got to wear the suit.
1: That was the most important well, part. Well, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Spock got called Spocko, which Spocko, is worth yeah. the whole episode. <laughs> um <laughs> The thing is, when I first saw that headline, the seventeen most what the fuck things Captain Kirk ever did, my first thought was wrestle the tiger. That has yes. become so important in my mind that I now believe it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could change
0: it to wanting to wrestle the tiger oh, okay. because well, that you did have to actually
1: change happen. To
0: Shatner, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll wrestle that tiger. I'll run across the top of a train and keep making it go faster and faster and faster. And, you know, all those uh, strange things only Shatner would do.
0: I can do that because I am the
1: goddamn captain. That's
0: right. All right. We have two more things that I think we should talk about. One is the wax museum thing, and the other is this book called Star Trek Sex. And I think we we can
1: get through them both pretty quickly. All right. Do you want to do the sex book? Um, Yeah. This is a book. I am so surprised we never heard of it me it's, yeah it's, it's called star star trek sex analyzing the most sexually charged episodes of the original series so um this guy whose name is something like stipe or something william stape oh Stape. hey yeah. that's pretty good that i pulled that up he wrote for tng and ds9 and um he apparently had written a few articles about sex in Star Trek and, and what the messages were. And so he decided he was going to do this book, which has a cover of the starship and a giant mudflap girl. It does have a mudflap girl. <laughs> Good and, call. <laughs> and it refers to Captain Kirk as um, a space jockey. It says this is not about pornographic depiction nor satire or anything. I guess it's supposed to be like semi-serious. I guess. So um, I went and looked at it on Amazon. Uh Um, It does not have a a, a see-what's-inside thing. Oh, that's too bad. Which is crappy. But I went and read the reviews. And most of them are going, this is great. I wish somebody had done this before. It's got like four stars. Because out of the reviews, there are only uh, two who give it one star. Oh, and okay. where did those things go? Where's the one star? See, I should have marked these somehow. Oh. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, here's one of the one stars. It says, the title will get you to buy this, and it's really very bad. Okay, that's an intriguing enough title, especially for Trekkies. Yes, let's, an enjoy, let's enjoy an analysis of all the times, Kirk, and once in a while – other crew members enjoyed some. Uh, oh boy, now it jumped. Enjoyed <laughs> some. Now that's gone. Well, here's the other one. Uh, one. One review. And this review was written by Landrew. We've seen other things written by Landrew. Huh, okay. Okay. He's saying, I've always thought this would be a great topic for a book since many of the original episodes had a very powerful underlying sexual emphasis and psychological component to them. Sadly, this book is not that. It truly is told from the viewpoint of a typical 13-year-old and not told from an adult point of view, examining uh, blatant sexual connotations and a real window into the mind of Gene Roddenberry. Bah, blah 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 blah. blah. Hmm. So, um, but everybody else gives it five stars. Hmm. out of how many reviews it seems not to want to tell me so i went uh to see how much it was for kindle and it was like 12 bucks i went that's too much for a kindle book and uh so if we can find it cheap now maybe we'll review it
0: yeah i i was a little disappointed that this article which is at uh, treknews.net didn't really say anything about the content of the book Mm -hmm. you know it, it says he he looks at Uh, you know sex in Star Trek Mm -hmm. Uh, he presents his work in an understandable format you know it's well organized okay Um, and he talks about the sexual sub themes in the episodes he places the episodes and these themes in the context of the episode then briefly discusses it no episode entry is more than two pages Uh, the slimmer approach helps the book to maintain its conciseness but what is he saying I mean what the heck is his analysis about
1: right that's what I don't understand. Here, I found the other review. He says, the worst part is how uneven it is. Far too many episodes are completely ignored. The most egregious being Shore Leave. What? Yep. Um, with the uh, genesis, blah, 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 which seems to be the genesis of Next Generation's holodeck. Kirk rekindled a romance there, even if she wasn't completely real. And McCoy was big time flirting with a yeoman. So why yeah. isn't this in the book? Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't mention Miramani. Huh. And that That's, was just on the other night. I do love that episode. Yeah. But But, um, so, I don't know. It is one of those where I think the title is going to sell it to whoever yeah. it sells it to.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Well, we'll mm-hmm. have to keep on the lookout for it. Maybe, you know, if there's a copy in a bookstore, they do sell books in bookstores. Um, yes. We might be able to see it. So, yeah, I was intrigued by the title, too. And then I was just disappointed that the book, the the article about the book didn't have more information in it right right so okay oh well thank you for bringing it to our attention yes yes that is good okay here's the last bit this is such a weird article did you look at the pictures that accompany this article yes okay so once upon a time there was a hollywood wax museum Mm -hmm. it was called the movie land wax museum and it was in uh Wayna Park which is near Los Angeles uh home of Disney and they had like they do at the the Ripley's Museum they had all these wax figures and at one time they had a bridge set and a bunch of Star Trek figures and when it closed they were selling stuff and some people had some some people who were real fans, had some serious cashola, like $40,000, mm-hmm. and they bought all the figures.
1: But they weren't, like, really serious fans at that time. They went to get two other things, completely right. non-Star Trek, which they could were outbid on. Yeah. So they put themselves on, like, some kind of wait list or hold, Yeah, yeah. And they were contacting saying, well, whoever had won on the Star Trek stuff um, pooped out, do you want it? You know, they were next on the list. Yep.
0: So they got Kirk, Spock, Sulu, Uhura, Dr. McCoy, Chekhov, and Scotty. Uh, They were allowed to buy one or just a few, and they decided to get them all to keep the crew together. Uh, They took them home, put them in their dining room, and the one guy says he couldn't stand the lifelike eyes looking at him. We put paper bags over their heads, (laughs) Steve said.
1: That to me is the funniest. (laughs) Uh,
0: Great. So paper bags. Uh, Yeah, so eventually they built a replica bridge, that the characters could stand on and they took it to Las Vegas for the 40th Star Trek anniversary and um they took it to one other um thing in Anaheim where they showed it off and then every they they put the stuff into crates and the heads and the hands are the parts that are made out of wax and so that, they had to put them in cold storage so they wouldn't melt
1: and get I those. never knew that though. I thought I, the figures were completely wax.
0: Yeah, so that was weird. Yeah. Um And they kept the bridge set in a hangar at the Fullerton airport in California. And eventually um, they decided to donate everything to the Hollywood sci-fi museum, which unfortunately doesn't have a permanent home and it has exhibits that kind of travel around the country. So the most interesting thing I think are the photographs that come with this. Oh yeah. There's a slideshow at the beginning and the, the, Images of the—I mean—the heads themselves are really weird looking. Oh yeah. So first of all, they're old and they're somewhat discolored, so they're very, very dark. Which and I assume, so the characters look old. They look really old and kind of wrinkly, and the mm-hmm. skin color isn't right. They're weird, though, because they're actually pretty good models of the actors' faces. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they look weird because of the makeup and the hair, like, the wigs that they have stuck on their heads don't look very good. But they're much, much better than most of the dolls that we see that are supposed to look like the actors.
1: Uhura especially looks good. Yeah. Um,
0: So, in that way, they're not bad, but they are creepy i mean they're seriously kind of creepy
1: well um, yeah and having them hang out in your dining room um yeah Wait, or god god forbid you should have them sitting at your dining table oh my god that's so scary so i'm looking at the
0: one that's a close-up of the kirk head yeah so here's some things about it 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 looks like Bill... I mean, I don't know how they did these. Did they do casts of their faces or something? It doesn't say. There's no information on how these were created, which I'd really like to know. And the weird thing is because, as you were just saying... They look like the actors are older. It actually looks like Bill kind of looked in the mid 80s and the 90s. It does. It actually does. It does. Yeah. And the eyes look just like him. They managed to get some pretty good fake uh, hazel eyes to go in there. Yes. And the nose, the mouth. And the
1: nose, yeah. It really kind of looks like. Yeah. And because of, like you said, the thing that looks like age, which is really just makeup, uh, wearing an aging. It does look like him.
0: It really does look like him. So I would like to know more about these. Um, There are some pretty amusing pictures.
1: Like the guy vacuuming?
0: The guy vacuuming, and you see that the the dummies are really just, you know, they're mannequins that have little t-shirts on them. Kirk Mm -hmm. says, America, unite. I don't know what that's about. The other weird thing is that they spend some time in this article talking about the fact that the Spock head had a wig on it. Yeah. And it was a really weird looking shaggy wig and they weren't even sure. And then they eventually ended up just kind of taking it off and his, his real real, his original <laughs> hair, which was perfectly co- coiffed was, uh, was underneath it. Yet none of the pictures for this particular article have Spock in them. I know. All of the pictures that have the Spock mannequin are headless. Yeah. Like what's up with Maybe that? Maybe they did
1: that because Leonard died. <laughs> oh,
0: maybe. I don't know. It's just a little strange that they would do that. So, anyway, it's a very interesting article. I would encourage mm-hmm. everyone to go and at least look at the pictures. It's it's not too long. Um, but because they've donated them, it looks like this thing is going to go on um, display, perhaps, at different cons, so mm-hmm. you might get a chance to see them in person. Yeah. And just see what they look like. And maybe they're like 10 times more creepy when you can see them in person. I don't know. I kind of think
1: any wax figure is kind of creepy for me.
0: You know. I agree. I agree. So,
1: yeah, this just popped up out of nowhere.
0: And I was like, (laughs) what a weird article. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's in the Orange County Register. So it's like, you know, kind of a local Mm -hmm. uh, Los Angeles type newspaper. And I didn't see it get picked up anywhere else. It was just in here. Wow. So
1: yeah. Well, listeners, yes.
0: That was a hell of a show. It was so much <laughs> stuff, so much stuff happening. Uh so there's lots of track stuff. I mean, the discovery stuff is actually happening. Some of the people who work there have been tweeting pictures uh from production like they're not giving anything away, but they're right. showing you, you know, scripts and clapboards and things, which is kind of cool. And um, Bill's always very busy doing all the stuff he's doing and arguing with crazy people on Twitter, which I guess just,
1: you know, keeps him active and involved in stuff. Now, I have a couple things that I did not even put on the list. I, you know, kind of honed it down to the ones I thought we'd really have a good time with. But one of them, and I'm going to try to post this link on our Facebook page, so everybody should go check it, is a video of Bill doing his poolside shtick on on the cruise oh and cool. it's an hour long oh my god okay. so i haven't gotten around to watching it but you know i'll i had originally you know intended to put them on the show list and i went the schedule we're on neither one of us has time to to watch this so um, i'll add that to to facebook cool that would be good it'll be good to see that
0: um i also want to mention for our friends in other fandoms uh, doctor who is starting again in about a yes. week and his a new companion uh who they just announced like yesterday is in the show uh she's uh uh I was going to say African-American, but she's not because she's British. So she's black. Oh, she's British. Give her a big hand. Yeah, she's British. Give her a big hand. She's black. And she's also gay and out gay, which is really nice. Like, thank you very much.
1: What a a huge responsibility for the actress to uh, represent so many things.
0: I know. Well, you know, there was an interview with her and she's like, look, I am not speaking for everybody. I am just trying to play this character who is wonderful and really interesting. Mm -hmm. and stuff. So please don't look to me to be representation. This is just my character. Good for her. Yeah, so I, I am excited about that. And um, I also wanted to mention that, um, I think I said this on the show a couple times before in discussion about the crazy, crazy Sherlock fans.
1: Yes. Who oh my God, be... who was I telling about that? And they were sister. like, no. <laughs> no. No, I was telling my sister about that because it's just so wacky. But yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so th-
0: the latest update is that they think that the Lost special. Mm-hmm. The, the episode that they made for the season that hasn't aired yet is going to air on Easter for reasons that I don't understand. Um, so look out for that. Um, spoilers, there is no lost episode and it's not going <laughs> to air on Easter. But um, they all think that um, the, the Doctor's new companion in Doctor Who, uh, her name is Bill. And she was actually named for Billy Piper, who played Rose Tyler back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, So her name is Bill, and they think that that is a direct Sherlock reference because in the BBC Sherlock, they gave his full name as William Sherlock something Holmes. I can't remember what the other name is. So of course, since Moffat and Gatiss made his, his first name be William and the doctor's companion is named Bill, that's a reference. Ah. So, see how it all connects?
1: See? Maybe they're going to take the, the lost episode and cut it in with a Doctor Who episode.
0: Um, some people are thinking that, that they're going to show <laughs> the Sherlock episode instead of the Doctor Who episode. Well, yeah,
1: but I'm thinking it would be better if, like, how they cut the original Tribbles episode into Trials yeah. and Tribulations.
0: Well, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to do something like that, so <laughs> you know, just keeping up on the sherlock craziness, so if yes. it doesn't happen on the day that oh, this was the best part about it was that one person I saw posted saying, "Um, yeah, you know, they could show the the Sherlock episode because Doctor Who is um is airing um uh, on Easter and." They they were confused because they didn't understand that Easter was on a, a Sunday. Like, yeah. Doctor Who always airs on Saturday. That's the day that Doctor Who is on. Like, <laughs> it's always been on a Saturday. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, well, Doctor Who's going to be on Sunday. And it's like, no, Easter is on a Sunday. That's why it's called Easter
1: Sunday. <laughs> and you know what? It's amazing to me that Good Friday has never fallen on anything but a Friday, regardless of if it was good or bad. Yeah,
0: I know. I mean, it's they almost have names, right? Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, Maundy you know. Thursday. Maundy Thursday. What a hang, strange name. Hangover Monday. It's, yeah. it's all
1: <laughs> it all works. It, it all, all works.
0: Fits. So anyway, so that you heard it here first new Sherlock or lost Sherlock episode okay. on Sunday. All right. And then and then John and Sherlock will kiss and everyone will be happy.
1: Okay, I hope so.
0: Yeah, it'll be great.
1: But then they'll start a whole new thing about their secret scenes where they use Tom. Oh, I you know. know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know.
0: Okay. Well anyway, um, so, so there you go, folks. That's that's what's gonna happen. More important than any Star Trek stuff. Lost yes. Sherlock episode.
1: So, everybody, hashtag thoughts and prayers so uh, Lena gets better and we can uh, just (laughs) blow the roof off of Comic-Con. Yeah, really.
0: That would be nice.
1: It would be nice if I was
0: better. Yes. My my family is really tired of me being sick. Every day, it's like, are you better yet? And I'm like, "Eh,
1: They're supposed to be loving and concerned. What's wrong with them?
0: They are. They're being really good, but, you know, I I understand getting fed up with it.
1: Okay. Well, let us know if you're going to be at Comic-Con. Yes. And uh, hopefully, you know, these will be posted and things will all go back to normal.
0: Yes, we will be getting back to normal. So thank you, listeners. Thank you for being so wonderful and for supporting us and and continuing to interact on Twitter and on Facebook. We appreciate it and we love you very much. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.